Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So, yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% off ends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details. When it comes to working at GEICO, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she's so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At GEICO, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, GEICO has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside? She still hasn't met the gecko. Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Fredericksburg. Highways of America, here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. All right, all right. Welcome to Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. It's all the same name, Trend Chat 24-7. All right, let's go ahead and bring it down because we don't have that much time. We're going to speak with Nate Madden of Blaze TV, talk about the Oscar nominations, and, Nick, and given that the partial government shutdown is over, we're going to see what's the, what the status of that so far. So, since with the limited time we have, we're going to touch on just a couple of issues, a couple of little stories. Uh, one little story, I guess, will be the Super Bowl. Uh, all, all I'll say... Uh, Patriots 35-20. That's, I just go with that. Um, and the other thing, I don't know if you heard the story about the um, Empire actor, um, Jesse Smollett. He was supposedly attacked in Chicago. You know, Personally, I said suppose it because I, I personally don't believe him. But, hey, if it really happened, I hope he gets justice. Um, but with his animosity towards Donald Trump and Trump supporters, I, you know, I, I just don't believe him. I, I would just say, I don't believe him. He needs more people and some videos as well or something. Um, that's, yeah. With the remaining time, I'll just say odgapparel.com. You know, check them out. I mean, like I, I mentioned before, it just I am just astounded that we have partners like ODG Apparel that um, wants to partner up with us. So check them out. Great Christian gear, hats, shirts. Yeah, you name it. Check them out. Trend Chat 10, you get 10% off. 1776united.com. 76militia-trendchat, um, 76 you get 20% off. Great patriotic gear, hats, shirts, you name it. So that's all I got for, for right now. Um, Till next week, actually. So without further ado, Let's get on with our interview with Nate. And we are very pleased to have the congressional correspondent for Blaze Media, Nate Madden, with us. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? All right. Now, I know in that introduction, I 
said congressional correspondent, but um, also I guess another title I should mention is um, I guess film connoisseur, uh, a sort. Cinephile. <laughs> <In a> <laughs> okay. So uh, so we're gonna first before we get into everything with the shutdown because I mean for one that that's boring, <laughs> but we're gonna talk about these um, uh, Oscar nominations that that uh, just recently were announced and. I mean, look, we're not going to go through all of them, but just kind of the just the big categories and and just get, kind of give our thoughts overall. So, I guess first off, what do you well first, what do you think of the, all the nominations and did you see them all? Uh, no, I did not see them all. Uh, I've seen a couple. Um, actually, I think I've just seen Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that's that's normally the case, though. Because most people haven't seen any of these films for the most part. The only people that seen yeah. them are the people that voted for them. Yeah, so that, that, that's that's the complaint that's been going on. I mean, I mean, since I was, I remember the first time I heard this complaint from uh, from somebody, uh, you know, from like the the morning talk show radio that uh, my my dad and I listened to. You know, it used to be that the nominees were commercially successful films that everybody saw. You know, The Godfather and things like that. And now it's it's uh, it's more of a wine and cheese kind of thing, you know. Now that especially in the best picture category where they've expanded it to ten, and it's just it's it's like you said, the only one I've seen. I'm looking at the list right now in the best picture, and the only one I've seen is yeah, Black Panther. <laughs> so well, yeah. So <laughs> the question is, are they going to go with a commercially successful movie? You know, and then, and then the question that's the with Black Panther. The kind of uh, caliber, you know, for an action for a superhero film, was it the kind of caliber that you would expect to see uh, pull down a Best Picture Oscar? And I, I don't, I don't know, and I don't think so. I think the other big contenders, I still, it's still on my list, but uh, I don't go to the theater that much anymore because you know my, my daughter's almost six months old, and I realize just how expensive it is. You know, you buy them tickets and the babysitter and everything else. I really want to see Green Book. I mean, Green Book just looks phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that's, you know, it's, it's just looking at the description of these films, um, I'd have to say that that, that I'm, I'm guessing, based on the message and everything else, I, I'm thinking the Academy's going to go with Green Book. Uh, if they really are just in a super anti, you know, super political anti-everything, screw all Republicans, move, they'll go with Vice. Which uh, you know is kind of a long shot, but never underestimate the the chance that uh, never underestimate the chance they can surprise you in an effort to uh, you know to flip off Republicans. I also never under, un, underestimate the hate that Hollywood has for Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, now I called Vice when the trailer came out. <laughs> when I saw the, when I saw the trailer, that's going to get a nomination. I like I didn't even have to I didn't have to watch the movie. I saw the trailer. I saw it was by Dick Cheney. It was from Adam McKay. He hates Republicans. I said yeah. that's gonna get a nomination. Christian Bale gonna get a nomination for for Best Actor, and I called it then. So. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, of course, it was gonna get the nomination. Like, and, uh, you know, the, the guy at least took the hat there. I, I don't know that it's gonna be that Green Book. I really don't. Um, what would what? I think Black Panther, Black Panther has a much better prospect of, uh, of beating out Vice, just based on. It's interesting. I mean, this is, the, this is the overarching point. You don't have to see any of the movies to anticipate 
what the Academy is going to choose, or, you know, at least to make an educated guess, mm -hmm. because it's all based on political and social proclivities, right? Exactly. I will, I will say, I, I'm thinking, I'm pulling towards Vice. Now, I was going to hold off what I was going to say about Black Panther until a little bit later, but I'm gonna, just going to go ahead and go into it now, because, um, I mean, if anybody been listening to the podcast have heard probably um, at least four or five episodes on what I've thought about Black Panther, and and I would just say again, I, it's not. I don't hate the movie. I saw the movie multiple times. I think the movie was good. My thing about all this with Black Panther, I just think it's going way too far, and that for okay, I right, I'm just gonna go ahead and rant because this won't go, <laughs> because first thing. Black Panther was not even the best Marvel movie, let alone one of the best movies of last year. That would be Infinity War, which I just, when I saw the nominations, I, and I see Black Panther had eight nominations, and Infinity War only had, like, one. I was like, that that right alone just, I said, okay. I, I could see right now this is basically just, this is basically pandering. Or And at best, I feel like Black Panther is, for one, I don't think it's, um, so original because to me i feel like it's like black door so and i feel like as far as superhero movies go this is it's mediocre compared to past superhero movies like the dark knight logan and so the and so when i see that it's being nominated i'm like for one i could see the people hollywood they're like well this tick all the boxes right here we can get a black guy um black superhero so that just that covers all the bases now i don't think i feel like that they're just gonna go this far they're just gonna nominate it right and then they they just couldn't bring themselves to just actually have it to win so but but to cover themselves they're gonna go with green book i mean because if you read the bio about green book it's like you don't even have to read that much into the bio because the bio is about a uh, a white guy driving around, uh, a black gay um, um, uh, artist uh, through the South. That's basically it, and that sounds that sounds a lot more progressive and for for Hollywood, and that they would definitely want to go with the more artsy film like Green Book, or like as you mentioned about Vice. As far as you know, I mean, if they really hate um, on Republicans, but think the thing about it, it was funny about Vice because. Vice was not so critically acclaimed that I thought it was going to be. So maybe Adam McKay didn't go far enough in showing how evil Dick Cheney was in his mind. So maybe they may not give it to Vice because they felt like he should have went far further than he did. All right, the rant's over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think yeah, I, I, from 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 the clips that I've seen of Vice and from the not not the not the I, I don't read. I don't read film reviews anymore. I used to back in you know when I was in high school, college. I gave it up. There's there's absolutely no point to it. These people live on a different. Most of the folks <laughs> who write film reviews live on a on a different plane of reality. So I mean, but the folks that I talked to went and saw by I, you know, unless you were just going for the, the there's almost just that, that that tribal almost pornographic feature of like. Everything that we say bad about a Republican is going to make us laugh. If you don't already have that mindset going into it, it's not that funny. No. Um, and that's what everyone that I've talked to who's seen it, who doesn't go outside wearing a pink hat, a pink stocking cap with ears, uh, is going to have a hard time finding the actual humor in that. Uh, that being said, I mean, I wouldn't discount. I mean, 
I, I really wish I had come over then and I actually, you know, I, I had been able to go to the theater and, and, and see uh, Green Book because, you know, everything that I saw from the from from the from the trailer from the premiere, it just looks good. I mean, we're talking about Viggo Mortensen and Marshall Ali, who are who are phenomenal actors in their own right. That looks like a really well done story. Um, I just wish I'd been able to see it to come into this. But uh, I, I I don't want to discount it, and, and I I kind of want to like just just push back on the it looks like it's a, it's a well done film. Uh, not just I mean of course it's going to get all the points because of the because of the social narrative that um, Hollywood's probably going to seize on and get up, and of course everybody who accepts an award for it who is probably going to do everything they can to you know pontificate yeah. about it. But it, it, it does look like a legitimately well done film in its own right. Well. Oh well, I'm not. I'm not even disputing that it's not that it's not a, a good film. It's just like I, I just couldn't imagine if a equally well-made film about a you know a conservative Christian would even get you know uh, a sniff of a nomination if it was equally you know made just as well done. So that's that's what yeah. I'm looking at. I'm just looking at like I said. I just look at the bio, and a lot of times when I look at the nominations, especially for best picture. I would just like basically just skim over the bio. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the hot political trend in Hollywood. That's what they're gonna go with this year. Well, no, and, and boy, that that is on another hobby horse of mine. Uh, all right, so the, the question is, you know, what, what the film about a conservative Christian or even that has these like classical, you know, not even conservative, but like natural law views, you know, poking through. Would this make it? Well, here's a good example. You know, the mule. All right, you know. For those who haven't seen so that's, that's one of those that's not on the list that, that, that came out this year that I thought was absolutely phenomenal. Right? If you're looking for, if you, if you saw the trailer and you walk into the theater looking for, you know, a 90-year-old Dirty Harry, you're going to be disappointed. If you're if you're a big fan of the body of work that he kind of started, that this kind of common thread that we've seen with uh, Million Dollar Baby and Gran Torino and some of these others that he's cult that Eastwood's cultivated over the last few years. This is a, this is a continuation of that. But, you know, even though like Eastwood, he calls himself a Buddhist, he calls himself uh, all these other things. A lot of these characters, they have these struggles with their faith, right? He has these Christian characters like Walt, Walt Kowalski in, in Gran Torino, um, and uh, his character in The Mule. They they, you know, they they struggle with their faith and they struggle with all this with all these other things. They eventually towards the end of the film, through a lot of these harsh realizations, up to the true, the beautiful, and the good. Um, and what, what what makes me frustrated is that Eastwood is making, in that sense, better Christian film than a lot of these other explicitly Christian production houses, which are, it seems a lot of time they're just, they we're trying to do accuracy by volume with a lot of these films. I'm not going to name names. I don't want to step, you know, I, I don't want to get into an argument of taste, but everybody has at least two or three of those explicitly Christian films that you can think that have come out in the last, you know, 10 years that could have used, you know, they, they could have percolated a little bit longer. They could have been punched up in a lot of different ways. They could have, you know, they, they could have been better done, but it seems that, you know, as, as far as we're Christian, you know, art and Christian filmmaking right now is, Content just to be present instead of just being excellent in a lot of in a lot of senses. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I saw the mule as well, and I and yeah, to see that it didn't get any 
any nomination, not only for the Oscars, it didn't get nominated for anything else, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, like either uh, Golden Globe or uh, with the SAG. I don't, I don't know, but like I haven't heard anything from any sort of recognition for the Mule, which I thought was pretty good as well. Well, yeah, exactly. But I, you know, I just, I, I feel like I kind of want to. I feel like I'm on, on the verge of writing like a an essay or dissertation on just you know truth, beauty, and goodness in in Clint Eastwood's more recent filmmaking that uh, that's been you know at least overlooked or at least not looked at enough in a lot of ways. There's another, I guess, I, I guess, uh, a underdog in the best picture, in which. I don't know how much of an underdog it is. That's on Black Klansman. I think that has a has a shot mainly because of the of the same reasons, um, uh, for Vice as well, and plus it's Spike Lee and yeah, you know. Yeah, I I would give it about the same odds that I would I would give Vice. It it would be uh, it would be a tremendous surprise, in all honesty. Um, to see that to see that edge out either over over Black Panther or Green Book would would really surprise me. I think um, honestly, I think I think the the Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper as Star Is Born has a better chance than either Vice or uh, or Black Klansman. I think the um, Black Klansman and, and Vice, I mean, kind of like a, I, I guess kind of like when you're talking about uh, elections or something like in a primary or whatnot, where I feel like the people for that they're going to split votes between people who <laughs> going to vote for Black Klans Black Klansman and Vice. I feel like that's that's yeah. going to split the vote, so that, that neither one's yeah. going to win because yeah. And, uh, you know, and you wonder how like how many of these picks at this point are are just there to entice people to watch the actual event, right? Because we know that you know we know that a lot of these award shows have a ratings problem because there is it's nothing but just self congratulation, just rampant self congratulation for uh, for the the anti Trump. Uh, you know, elites, the the you know the coastal dissociated folks in the pink hats, right? You know, right? Yeah. You have to wonder how many of this is just to get people like you and me in conservative media to sit down and actually have to keep an eye on this to see if it actually does it, so they can boost their ratings just a little bit more. That that doesn't work with me because all I do is just wait on Twitter. I mean, it's just as fast. So I mean, <laughs> I don't have well, to yeah. sit there watch the ratings so they can so they can get a little bump for me trying to see it. I just, you know, someone's going to post about it in like a minute as soon as you announce it, so. Well, yeah, exactly, and then you have to go back, yeah, that was always the easiest way to do a waypoint and wait for, uh, wait for the, uh, the video clips that people rip off of their, uh, off their <laughs> streams yeah. to, to go on there so you don't have to watch the whole thing. Yeah. I oh, mean, talking about this makes me, you know, a few years ago when I got into this and I was, uh, when I started over at the Conservative Review and I was writing mainly about politics and culture, this kind of makes me glad that I actually cover Congress for because I don't have to sit down and watch these uh, these award shows anymore. <laughs> I don't want to. To me, I think a dark horse in winning would be also would be uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, you know, I think if um, it depends on, I guess, on the mindset of the voters. If they want to this year maybe say you know what we just want to stay away from all the politics and all all the you know social issues and everything like that we just want to go with something safe let's go with queen <laughs> and let's just <laughs> let's go let's go for bohemian rhapsody everybody likes queen everybody likes Freddie Mercury. <laughs> exactly. <You're not. laughs> so i think i don't know but well all right i'm gonna go down 
just right quick, I'm just going to mention them all. So, um, for Black, uh, Best Picture is Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, the, A Star is Born, and Vice. So, those are all the all the pit. And, yeah, sir. Yeah. The favorite, yeah, the favorite is, is not the favorite in this. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they're not gonna not gonna win. Yeah, I mean, my my, my call is Green Book. Just the other day, my, my call is Green Book. Yeah, I, man. I'm okay. I, I guess I'm, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make a pick, I'm gonna go with. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on Green Book. If I had to, <laughs> if I had to put money down or something like that, if I if my life on the line, yeah, I would just say Green Book. That's why I go with. Yeah. And then you know, put a few like outside dollars on the long shot on Vice, just in case you hit the hedge. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, now looking at best directors, yeah, five and wow, I'm trying. I'm looking at the two of these names. I'm not going to get right. <laughs> trying to trying to <laughs> pronounce. So uh, it's the. I'm just going to say the director for Roma, <laughs> the director for the favorite. Uh, I could say Spike Lee. He's the director for um, Black Klansman, Adam McKay for. Vice and uh, the director for Cold War. So, so if you yeah, if you notice three of those, I didn't pronounce mainly because I just can't pronounce them. I, at least I just didn't take the time to actually learn it. But in that, I think um, in the best director, I should think mainly because well, I haven't seen Roma favorite or Black Clans. Well, none of them I haven't seen, but just thinking of it, I mean, well, you know what? Just something I thought about. Has Spike Lee ever won a Best Director award? Did he win it for Do the Right Thing? I gotta Google that. Yeah, I'm about uh, to say, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about wait, that just I now. Look that up. <laughs> I was just thinking right off the top of my head because I was like, maybe he might win for this one if he hasn't won. But if he won for doing uh, for Do the Right Thing, I don't maybe not. Or, or Malcolm X, he might have got nominated for that. Those are two. Uh, if if um he's got nominated for anyone, those two off the top of my head, I think yeah. would have got nominated mm-hmm. for. Okay, so per my internet search. Okay. Uh, so he was he got a nominee for a screenplay for Do the Right Thing. He was nominated for documentary feature with Four Little Girls uh, in '98, and that he's kind of been in a uh, twenty-year rut until uh, until Black Klansman. Hmm. Okay. So nothing for Malcolm X. I'll, I'll see. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. I. You know. I'm gonna go with Adam McKay for best director in, in this category. I just think they, you know, after all these years of making comedies and then he, you know, basically made this political hit piece, I think they might want to just, you know, give him an award. Say, hey, thanks for making, you know, a movie that basically just confirms our, our bias towards Republicans. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, and then it'd be kind of similar to, uh, to, I think, 2016 when they gave him that, that screenplay for, for the big short, you know, the, the you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always so. I mean, the, the the actual technical awards are actually where where things are typically more judged on merit than popularity. And I think if we we start looking into things. You know, I, I, you know, this is really film nerd territory. But if we're looking at things like cinematography, if we're looking at the awards for for cinematography, if we're looking at awards for like costumes, just changing gears on that a little bit. I think Black Panther's got those absolutely locked up. Uh, there is there is nobody there there. I I don't think there's any competition for them whatsoever. Uh, in the area in these technical awards, it just in that it was a really incredibly produced film. Now, um, um, I mean, going um, into that into those categories, I know. So the one nomination that Infinity War got was for best visual effects, and it, it better win that one. 
the one that it had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it was really impressive. The problem is, Marvel, I think, in a big, like, so, best special effects, I guess, against the rest of the field, uh, the rest of the films that were produced in 2018, I, I can see that. The thing about Infinity War that stood out to me was that Marvel is a victim of its own of its own success and that there's not much in the Infinity War that stood out for me from the rest of the MCU in recent years just because they've done such a good job of producing really special effects rich films. Yeah. You know, the, I'm trying to think of you know, what exactly I mean, yeah, looking back at me making Peter Dinklage a giant was pretty cool. Um <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was pretty cool. I, well, I also think yeah, I how they did how um, having Josh Brolin um, as Thanos, just um, the um, the mocap technology. I mean, just that. I mean, it's just really just going to another level. I mean, other than with Andy Serkis and what what he's been doing with you know Planet of the Apes and everything as well. But it just it just it is just getting better and better, pretty much every time. Um, especially one of these big films that come out like like Infinity War. Oh yeah, no, I remember. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, my wife and I, we, we we don't we try not to we try to avoid binging the TV shows because that'll just eat away large chunks of your life. But we try to we try to watch all the all the good movies that you know Netflix and Hulu and the, the streaming services that we go through. Uh, they license, and so we're sitting down the other weekend, and they you know they got the Mummy on Netflix. I'm sitting down, I remember, oh man, when I was a kid, this thing was awesome. You know, <laughs> it was mind blowing and all that. I watched it, the special effects on the month was like smokes. This has come a long way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was funny because I mean, given that the the latest the Mummy with Tom Cruise and how that just you know was such a dud, but you know visually it still was pretty, still pretty good. They they over yeah yeah the actually the, the, yeah, the problem with the Mummy franchise is just there's only so much you know you're only going to be able to milk a cow so much <laughs> and. That was done. I mean, they, they should have gotten a hint after Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, but they just kept they they tried they kept going back to that well um, a few too many times. Well, let's go ahead. Um, I guess with um just with the other the other major co- uh, categories, let's just I guess who you think got uh, best actress? Who you think's going to win that one? Hmm, that's difficult. Honestly, I've got to look. I, I remember I had something before you called, and we've gotten, gotten so lost in those conversations. <laughs> Yeah, this is why I should write things down. Uh, why don't you tell me you still have to while I look for well, – Well, looking at it, uh, I mean, I, I'm just surprised when Lisa McCarthy won for that, that movie, Can You Ever Forgive Me, that she got even got nominated. Even though when I saw it, I was like, is she trying to make an Oscar film? Like, is she trying to get nominated for an Oscar when I saw it? And, you know, here she is being nominated. But, um, uh, I mean, but it's also going against Lady Gaga and – Star is born, and um, this is the uh, even at this point, I think this is a little more on merit once we get a little more as opposed to the best picture because the, you can very well see um, mm, uh, Glenn Close Glenn, Glenn Close winning for the wife. I, like, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think Glenn Close, yeah, Glenn Close has that ability to just kind of clear the field anytime she anytime she's nominated on something like this. My question is whether or not. Uh, they're going to forego the temptation to boost their own relevance by giving the award to Lady Gaga. Mm. And I, I realize how cynical that sounds, but 
what it is nominate Black Panther. So like you can't you can't blame me for getting cynical after watching how this after after watching how how the the Academy and all these other awards uh, award shows and committees have, have behaved and, and acted over the last few years. I, I think that you know it, it's it, it's a pick. But I, I will say the biggest temptation for them is going to be the is going to be the one to boost their own relevance by picking Lady Gaga and just go for the go for the easy headline. Mm. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll go with. I just yeah, I say Glenn Close. Just that's that's who I'll, I'll pick. That mainly the safe pick. But I don't. As far as Lady Gaga, maybe. I mean, I think she would have to have to have done like really well for. You know the um for for the the snooty uh Hollywood crowd to say okay we'll give you a Oscar <laughs> especially for best actress so I I don't know but um best actor I've I've I called this like I said back when the trailer came out Christian Bale is winning is winning for uh, best actor that's that's my pick I, mean, I I don't think I I think that would be a more legitimate pick. Than than it would for giving than it would be for giving best picture to uh, Tobias just because looking at the span of Christian Bale's career the fact that he was able to well again I have to preface that I've only seen I have not watched lights all the way through I've seen excerpts um, I, I've seen the excerpts but watching him he's he's he, he he once again does this amazing job of of jumping into these roles and he's almost on the level of like a Johnny Depp where he has this amazing range. And he intrinsically can be all these things. He can jump from he can jump from films like Memento to the Dark Knight trilogy to the Fighter to oh my gosh everything else that he's been in recently. And now he can jump into he jumps into the role of Dick Cheney. Um, I think that in and of itself just 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 seeing his the the, the breadth of his portfolio is is impressive, regardless of the film. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, I was um, I already had it had it down for. For Vice to win, for well, for Christian Bale to win, and also I, I this is being even more cynical than you on this one. I think when he um, thanks Satan during the Golden Globes, I think that really earns yeah. some, that, that earns some points with the Hollywood crowd. I think they really want to give it to him now for that, for making that speech because they're like, yes, Satan. That's how they, you know, they. I think they feel that way. And like, yeah, yeah, we love that. I'm glad. And on top of the fact of what he did for. About uh, how he portrayed Dick Cheney, so I, I think he's I think he pretty wrapped it up on with that speech at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Now one other one other category I will mention. Um, I think I could almost say this is a hundred percent is going to win is um best documentary feature is RBG, is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm almost certain that's going to win <laughs> best documentary. That's yep. That's an alley-oop. Yeah. So yeah. Done. Don't even look at the rest of the nominees. And you know what? Matter of fact, that's a great transition to talk about Congress because um, it's funny because I don't think that's much difference between Hollywood and Congress and how much um, chaos that can happen, especially. But but not so much now because hey, the government is back open again. So hooray! Yeah, you know, so it's the old joke. DC is just Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> yeah. So with the so now that the government is you know. Back open, shutdown has been avoided at least for three weeks. So where are we at now? Yeah. So I think probably best to view this in terms of the sh- the, the partial shutdown has been suspended for three weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to look at the, look at this. So again, you know, when we were talking about a partial shutdown, we were talking about you know twenty five percent of a federal spending was not covered. 
uh, when we went into this back in December. And now that's been appropriated for until Valentine's Day weekend in the next three weeks. So February 15th. And honestly, right now, there's there's a lot of uncertainty, I can tell. There's a, a lot of it that's happening as, a, as, I'm, as I'm talking to you. It's just people kind of, people who are connected to this, you know, there, there were a lot of folks, not necessarily on, on in Congress because the legislative branch is taken care of, but a lot of folks in the administration, a lot of folks, uh, you know, not not just these, uh, the the rank and file bureaucrats, but a lot of political appointees are also furloughed. So there's there's a lot of picking out right now. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna pervade a lot of this. And the question is, you know, when, what in the world is gonna come out of this uh, this select border security conference as far as uh, proposed? I can't I can't remember the word. <laughs> the compromises. And so what what is going to come out of this for this uh, select committee as far as proposed compromises go? You can look at the makeup on uh, my Twitter account, right? And so uh, I've got to make uh, the makeup of this from the from both the Senate and the House. Not really a lot of hawks and and kind of and you know bomb throwers or knife fighters either way from either side on this. So you don't have if you're if you're looking at the makeup from uh, from the Senate side on the Republican side, you don't have any of your Ted Cruz's or Tom Cotton's on there. On the Democratic side, you know, you don't have any of the uh, any of the hardcore abolish ICE crowd. So what we're going to get is something I think that is, if they do recommend anything, it is probably going to be something that both progressives and conservatives are going to hate equally. <laughs> uh, and which I, you know, some people, well, that's the nature of compromise. You know, everybody said the same thing about Gang of Eight back in 2013. I think there's a chance that on substance we could see a lot of uh, Gang of Eight being revived, possibly. This is me just looking at this, looking at the makeup of this committee and realizing what could come out of it. Um, but we'll have to see what comes out of there. And then we'll have to see where support lands on those proposals. Because as, as it stands right now, there's, there's nothing fruitful that's come out of President Trump trying to work directly with Pelosi and Schumer on this. They they will not do it. Uh, and I think the, the, the face-saving thing for everybody is going to be to jump on uh, and endorse at least, you know, the majority of whatever this select committee, this conference committee comes up with. Uh, the question is, what is it going to look like? How much amnesty are they going to propose in exchange for how much border security? Is that going to be an amenable trade for either side? And where are the actual votes? Those are the questions that are going to have to be either raised and are going to have to be answered over the next three weeks. And I just, I don't know, I just don't see the Democrats giving up anything. And I can just see Republicans giving up more than than the Democrats, if any, at all. Because, I mean, they're just so bent on not, you know, giving an inch, especially now given that they have control of the House. Right. And that's, I think that's going to be used by a lot of more establishment types to kind of throw up their hands and say, well, we're doing this too late. We don't have a house. For, you know, we have to take what we can get, blah, 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 blah. I think they're, from my observation, most Republicans will message on, you know, the safe stuff. We've got to get illegal immigration under control. We've got to, we've got to do something about it. We've got to do all this. There are very few who are actually willing to go to the mat and fight for the things that they believe in. And really are willing to take the really willing to take the blows from the mainstream media headlines on this. I mean, President Trump showed that he was willing to do it. There are a few uh, congressmen and senators that are right up the and they're willing to do it. I think when when the chips are laid down, I'm not talking about 
I'm not talking about any specific members of Congress. I'm not talking about you know even some members of leadership who realize that you know this is a this is a, a really this is a do or die thing for 2020. I, I think that there are just a lot of people in the Republican conference who care more about keeping the federal bureaucracy humming than they do about securing the border. I mean, that, yeah, that, that, it sounds absurd, but I, I, I think what we'll see when this comes out is you'll the, the dynamic is that Republicans realize they, they couldn't join with the handful of, you know, like 10 or so House Republicans that ran away on most of the uh, the, the, the Pelosi funding plan posts. And you can see all those on my Twitter. I, I keep, one of the things I do is I just keep a running list of um, Republican factions on Twitter on a lot of these different votes. They realize they can't get away with jumping on with the, with the Democrats whole hog like some of some of their colleagues did. They also really don't want to spend too much of their political capital fighting for something like border security when it means they have to take all the slings and arrows from the mainstream media when it comes to anything that involves the federal bureaucracy. Yeah, I, I've seen um, time and time again just because Congress is close, you know, pretty evenly split. Out of that, out of that split, I would say probably more than seventy to eighty percent when it comes to whether it's uh, illegal immigration or you know actually dealing with the debt and all that. I think most of them, seventy to eighty percent, are perfectly fine with uh, way things are going and don't want to, you know, as you say, want to really go for trying to either stop illegal immigration or anything else, really, when it comes to, legal, um, come to limited government. Yeah, that's one thing that Congress loves. You know, remember, a lot of members won't say they love it, but their, their actions speak louder than, than their press releases in this stance. Congress, as an institution, loves to run on autopilot. All right? It loves to run on autopilot regardless of who is in control of which chamber at any given time. There's a reason that we've only passed – a legit, like a full-on 12 appropriations on-time budget a handful of times in the past 40 or so years, and why so much of, of the annual appropriations, which is one of Congress, which is pretty much Congress's primary job, is to write checks for the executive to execute laws that it makes. So there's a reason that, we've only, that they've only done that a handful of times in the past few decades. Hmm. Yes, the, the, budget, the budget plan is broken, but there's a reason the budget, the, the budget process hasn't been fixed despite this for so long is because Congress loves to run on autopilot. And part of running on autopilot is just making sure that the federal bureaucracy has, at the very least, enough to continue its slow, steady rate of growth ad infinitum. I, I just can't imagine in three weeks to all of a sudden see, you know, have this scene again of talking about of having the government to you know, partially shut down. And I just can't see that happening because yeah, it's just going to be way too, for the Republicans especially, they'll be way too skittish to want to uh, have to deal with that again. They'll be begging to, for anything, and then that's when they'll give up everything. I mean, that, that, that's the that's the big, uh, the, the big rehearsed play that we've seen play out, the variations on the theme that we've seen so many times over the last few years. I mean, if we want to game this thing out, something is going to happen. Here's, here's a rough sketch of what this is probably going to look like, all right? Yeah. You'll have the select committee come out with a plan. Uh, the plan may get slightly amended uh, by the leadership in either chamber, all right? 
mm-hmm. you are going to see progressives on the left. So the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes and, you know, the, the hardcore progressives on the left come out against it because it doesn't defund ICE and do all this stuff. And it doesn't, you know, completely throw open the southern border. And you're going to see the immigration hawks come on the right come out of that against it because depending on how much amnesty it wants to trade for how much border security, it might not actually address the illegal immigration crisis that we're facing at the southern border. There's a very, I, mean, I say it might, there's a very strong possibility that it's that it, it, that it is not going to be minimal to the folks who have been messaging and, and really making their political uh, bones on this for a few years. Hmm. So they'll go out, they'll lose if Donald Murray can get behind it in the Senate. If Pelosi and McCarthy get behind it in the House, they'll get together, they'll put the votes together, they realize that McCarthy can lose some conservatives, McConnell can lose some conservatives, Pelosi and Schumer, they can lose some hardcore progressives and still get this thing over the finish line. And because of all that, all the wrangling, the White House will probably have it'll probably have enough of enough border security cover in there for the president to sign it. And Brumble while he does it. I, I think we're looking at what's – I think we're looking at that sort of situation where nobody can be really pleased with it, and I'm even more skeptical that we'll actually get something that will adequately address the problems that we have going on at the southern border. Yeah, and even, even with what was already being proposed really wasn't enough, really, because whether you're talking well, no, about that, $5 billion or $1 billion, it still wasn't enough to really tackle the issue. Right, and that, 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 that's something that, that a lot of people touched on. You know, this this $5 billion, that was a down payment on the full cost of uh, what was supposed to be uh, $25 billion. That's why the, the White House moved its position to a steel barrier as opposed to a concrete one, and where they're playing around with what they can get accomplished with $5 billion, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, and then, of course, you have the question of what are we going to change about the immigration process to actually let the wall work? And this is something that gets overlooked a lot in the process. All right, a wall, a border, border barrier, whatever you want to call it, double layer fence, you know, it, whatever you want to call it, physical border security is a force multiplier. But it's a force multiplier so long as you have robust enforcement and you actually treat illegal immigration like it's illegal. What do I mean by that? When I say when you still have all of these loopholes in the asylum process that have precipitated the situation we've got with, uh, with processing at the, at, at the southern border, when you have all these loopholes, when you have all of these different things that illegals can do once they go over, you know, if people realize that they can just jump over the fence and then claim asylum, if they realize that they can tunnel under the fence, pop up on the other side so long as they have a child who may or may not be theirs and claim asylum, and they realize they can use that protection release, you don't have a force multiplier anything. You got something that will just slightly slow and discourage the flow of, of uh, illegal immigrants. So whatever happens, if they actually want to address this, they need to start addressing a lot of these loopholes in the process that have created the situation that we've been dealing with for the last few months at the border. The wall is is just one part of a huge a huge issue of illegal immigration. The thing about it, it was just it's one of the easiest things you can do. All the other things require a lot more, um, a lot more manpower and a lot more, you know, other other aspects that need to be done. The wall is and something is that can be kind of, of built, you know. Yeah, exactly. That, so that, that's 
it's a very visible thing. It's very important as a at this point it's become sort of a symbol of this is something that the American people who voted for want done, if nothing else, to prove to the DC political class that they're actually in charge, not the swamp. Right? So that's there's a there's a symbolic nature to the whole thing as well, but when we look at the whole things that actually need to happen. If you want to address the border crisis that we have now, you need to do something about the Flores settlement, uh, the, the Flores declaration. You have to do something about all these asylum reforms. You have to do something about worksite enforcement of immigration laws. You have to do something about all these things that people in the immigration reform movement on the right have been talking about for literally decades. If, all, if, if this ended up in a situation where the president signs on for – you know, it's $5 billion for a wall, but ends up having to give away the store on all these other legal mechanisms. Long term, I think you're going to end up with a, you're going to end up with a privacy hedge on the southern border. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, all this is going to be going on, you know, things that are going to be talked about in the next next three weeks. So, I well, we'll see what we're gonna, um, what's gonna come out of this. Uh, I, I'm not very optimistic about it, but, um, but hey, maybe something, maybe a miracle will happen. I don't know. So, so if people want to get in uh, contact with you on on social media and want to want to know more about Blaze TV, where would they go? Uh, so, if you, if you want to keep up with uh, the stuff that I'm covering, minute to minute, hour to hour, check me out on Twitter at uh, Nate on the Hill. Check me out on Facebook at Nate Madden, comma Blaze Media, or uh, check out uh, my show page, The Capitol Hill Brief. Uh, we got we still got new content coming out on that front. Uh, you can also find me on the uh, the Capital Hill Brief section on the Blaze TV website and app. But uh, yeah, I'm your friendly neighborhood congressional correspondent, keeping track of these folks so you don't have to. All right, Nate. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Take care, Brian. Yep, and that's it. So until next week, we'll chat with you later. Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So, yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% off friends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details. Switching to GEICO is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, GEICO makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to GEICO, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea.